Hey everyone, welcome to this bonus Behind the Goats episode of Helpful Goat Presents, in which members and friends of Helpful Goat Gaming get together to chat about Dungeons and Dragons and games in general. It's a chance to get to know the players behind the characters you know and love, so we hope you enjoy it. Thanks. Also, as usual, this podcast might very well contain adult language, so please beware if you are going to listen to it around children. All right, let's get to it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Goat's Eye View with a Behind the Goat segment with Lena and I tonight. I'm just watching the chat uh, debating where the music was, and through facts, I forgot to put the music on a loop, but it worked really well. No, it was for suspense. It was for suspense. Like, we were going to start in a sec, right? So it's building that tension. We're about to start. Gotta retcon shit. You're really going to enjoy Blades in the Dark? (laughs) Um... I'm Galway Trainer, the unbenevolent dictator of Helpful Goat Gaming, joined by Lena, who we will talk about our roles in a little bit. But before we get started tonight, uh, we're super excited for <laughs> the first episode of The Goat's Eye View. Um, this was an idea that we had discussed internally all the way back in February, and we had pitched that in the Valentine's Day content and upgrade massacre. Um letting you guys know that we were planning to have this. It's a bit of a variety show. We'll be doing, uh, going over topics in D&D, doing some behind the goat stuff, which you might've seen in our podcasts before. I am already hitting the wine. (laughs) Just gotta get myself a little bit of, you know, good feelings, because I get anxious about being on. It's fine. Uh, we can edit that out of the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, there's zero <laughs> chance that Adam is editing that out of the podcast. Adam, confirm or deny. Odds of that being edited out of the podcast. But uh, I guess that that is as good uh, an opportunity as any to cut over to um, some of the characters that we've played and some of the things that we have done. Um, I am the voice of Charity, of the family, on the Fates of Rin. Everyone, my family. Um, also a Dean Greygust on Fates of Rin, uh, who as always reminds you to know your fucking place. Um, I played Squirm, which was a very enjoyable character on Waterdeep Dragon Heist. I've played McKeck Tumbledown of Tumbledown's Flower Crowns in Dom and Dragons. And I DM all of the tier campaigns, which is in my world of tier, and I also DM'd the dark following um two shot for lena i'm lena obviously um i've played stormbringer my my main bitch is that a okay i'm gonna stop anyways i played stormbringer um <laughs> amelia in Waterdeep. yep um sunny in tier beyond the doors gloomy in i don't remember what that tier one shot was called the raging storm the raging storm i think he just said that um maybe not no you i just summarized okay. all of the tier dming because there's lots good of good um and i currently am also playing elif in dom and dragons i don't think i'm missing anyone but maybe who did you play in um uh, dark following Oh, we played Dark Following. I forgot Dark Following existed. Um, I just mentioned it. I th- <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I was Victoria in Dark Following. <laughs> okay. Rachel enjoys you saying me. So Good. maybe we can 
work that in. Um, if you have any questions for us as we're going through, feel free to pop them in the chat. Um, one way to help us maybe get to it is one, flag it as a question, uh, and two, you can use some of your goat oat points down there in the bottom of chat to uh, highlight the message, which will make it a little easier for us to see and get back to. Um, but we figured we would start with some basic questions and also some questions that we'd gotten from the Discord. So, how did you first get exposed to tabletop RPGs? Are you asking me? Yeah. Okay. Um, I started playing... Well, okay, what does exposed mean? I, I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going with when did you start playing. Literally, like, sort of when did you start... Because, for example, there's a long, there's a long distance between me starting to play and me reading tabletop RPG books and sort of okay. knowing about them. Well, I started playing about 10 years ago when I was 20, um, but I was exposed to them um, when I was real fucking young. Um, my dad played D&D briefly. Not, he's like, he doesn't play it anymore, so I don't think he was like a hardcore gamer. Um, but he played D&D in college, and he still had all the like, the little, like, they were led back then, the little figurines, and he had a bunch of AD&D books. Um so we would kind of play, we wouldn't play D&D because I was like seven or something, but we would just play around with those with him, we were observing and making sure we weren't, you know, sticking lead figurines in our mouths. Um, and he would like, him and my mom both would tell me stories about when they played together and everything. So that's how I was exposed to D&D. And I always wanted to play it, but I never had the motivation to get a game together or DM as a teenager. I still don't want to DM. I never want to DM. Um... So I didn't start playing until I was in my twenties when I my like when I was like twenty when I found a game. Nice. Um, my first exposure to tabletop RPGs actually was pretty similar age. I was probably four or five, and I remember um, my much older brother was GMing a game of Call of Cthulhu for uh, our family and some family friends. And I remember this principally because they would all go into sort of our dining room, which had doors and would close off, and I would be, like, being taken to bed right when they were kicking off and playing. And I was just like, no, I want to know what's happening in there. I want to know what this is. Um, fun story, my... This was 15 plus years ago. Um, my brother still has GMing regrets about killing one of the characters in that game because they were acting exactly as their character would have. And he's like, no, should have like injured them or maimed them. I should have fudged the dice. It was he still has regrets. Um, from there, I would also say uh, I, I, as I got a little bit older um, into like 12, 13, um, and my teenage years, I would read a lot of D and D books, just orders, books and music. So I was always kind of fascinated with it and play around with characters. Um, and but it wasn't until uh, what is time about six years ago, I would say, that I got to actively D and D. Although for next question. Uh, what's the first? What was the first tabletop RPG? I guess for you it was Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And what was the first one you played? So the first, I started on Pathfinder, which okay. is derived from three point five. 
so kind of 3.5, but it wasn't. It was Pathfinder. Um, and I switched over to 5e when I started playing with you guys. Yeah. So as much as I would say I mostly read uh, D&D books, though I also read a lot of Shadowrun um, and other sort of the mass market ones that would be orders or mobile, um, the first one I ever played was actually a sci-fi RPG called Traveler. Um, it's a really fun system. Um, it, it's kind of cool. Uh, some of the some of the ways that it set things up were not optimal, but I also liked a lot of things about it. And that was actually my first time ever playing a TTRPG was GMing, um, and it went surprisingly well. But the thing I most remember about the first session that we ever played was they were sneaking their way through, and then they got into a firefight. And I think the players and the NPCs missed something like 19 shots in a row. Like, it turned farcical at one point. One of the players just charged one of these guards with, like, a laser pistol, fired, missed. The guard was, like, behind cover, pops out, shoots, misses. And I'm just like, okay... I'm just going to start killing NPCs, otherwise we're going to be here until 3 a.m. just trying to kill these scrubs, and it's, like... Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I, don't, I didn't start playing D&D until I played it some with Andy in 5th edition. Six years ago, I think. I don't know what time is anymore. Um, the world of coronavirus doesn't help that, but I generally don't think know what time right. is. I think, it was, I think it was more, like... Yeah, well, you started before we started gaming together. Yeah. So it was probably yeah, about yeah. six years. Yeah, yeah, So, I think those answer those. Um, how did we start playing TTRPGs together? Um, I was introduced to Galway through my best friend, TJ. They had become friends in college. And... TJ brought me up to start gaming with them with D&D and board games, so that's how we started playing them together. How much of the meet-cute do you want in here? Like, the whole saga? I, I, don't, I don't know. You, I think you had a pretty good description of it in Discord when you were answering the question of how did we all meet. Right, so I don't totally remember what I said. I can, but I can find generally, it. Okay, so, like, so Galway and I are, are partnered. We're, we're together. We're a thing. That's probably clear. But in case that wasn't, now you all know. Um, so I have this, um, policy of you I'm don't dying. shit where you eat. You don't eat your, no, wait, you don't shit up. You don't, you don't you. date, you don't date the players or the DM in your gaming group because the gaming group is important, right? More important than dating people because fuck dating people. Um, so... I kind of, like, made an exception for him. We were him and gaming together for a little bit. I made an exception for him because I wanted to see where things would go, and I knew that um, uh, I thought it might be worth it to... <laughs> Can you prove that automatically? Yeah. I thought it might be worth it to to try, right? And it was. Um, but I'm a commitment phobe. Luckily, I don't ever have to deal with that again, theoretically. Hopefully, don't die. Um... <laughs> So, so I did almost lose the game group because I, like, stopped um, wanting to date him for a while, and then we kind of had to rebuild and work on our relationship, um, work on me stopping so commitment-phobic, mostly uh, take things really slow. 
But it worked out, so maybe sometimes you should shit where you eat, but only in very special circumstances. That's the moral of the story. I... I... I don't feel like I have anything that I can possibly um, add to that, but yeah. Um, the, the facts as described are true and are uh, valid. I'm trying to think... Um, what was that campaign? Oh, it was the Out from the Abyss. Yeah, which we never finished because which we never finished it was a nightmare to DM. because it was a nightmare to DM. But I also remember I helped you and TJ make characters. Yeah, because I'd never I had so Pathfinder for anybody who hasn't played on it is a um it's a great system for giving you a lot of um ability to be really creative and do a lot of stuff. But because you can do that, there's like five million options. So when I was playing Pathfinder, um, I usually just use a computer used a computer program to make characters. So I never made characters on my own. So he made the character for our first campaign yeah. for me. You were Vulcan. Um, yeah, and now I'm able to make them on my own because Five E is way way more streamlined than Pathfinder. Yeah, yeah. It's, but uh, I just I remember you all charging through the underdark and and it was that one was so much fun all of your all of your characters and all of your so much fun and then from there we've pretty consistently um played D&D games together we've years just on helpful go um this one was directly andy in the discord ask how's gaming slash dnd brought you closer together okay outside of the entire meat cube <laughs> um i think it's i think it's been really nice because dnd slash um tabletop rpgs in particular are a shared interest and as anyone who engages in these interests knows it takes a lot of time it takes a lot of attention not easy to maintain a D&D um, it's really effortful but I think that that was also really really nice to have with regard to a relationship a shared interest it's a thing that we both engine into and it's a way to do stuff together yeah um, I'm gonna steal that answer because it's a good answer and add that it's also it's it's a something for us to focus on or communicate about when things aren't going great. Not like when we're fighting. If we're like fighting, we're not gonna just be like, "Hey, how's D and D?" Um, but like, if one of us is like kind of depressed, it's something that yeah. we can talk about that's light and casual, but still really important to both of us. So it's given us kind of, I don't know, that it's given us that. Well, it's also I think I think on that that level it's also really nice because it gives us lots of room to talk about different like it can be the sort of theory crafting of a character or it can be talking about a story or it can be talking about um you know how do how might charity and stormbringer react to these types of things oh yeah also um we'll try to make sure to put like a disclaimer on any major ones um but there is a possibility for spoilers for basically anything that's happened through live stream. Yeah, especially we're going to get into some probably more character-focused questions. Those are probably going to be 
I mean, I'll try to like not be super hella spoily, but they're going to be kind of. And we'll spoily. also we'll also try to flag some stuff, but there there will definitely be some discussion of characters inevitably. Um, so you've been warned now, and like I said, we'll try to warn. You, yeah, uh, right before we like answer things that would be really spoily. Yeah. Um. Don't, oh yeah, you but, interrupted but, yourself. Yeah, sorry, because I was just I was thinking about like, oh yeah, Stormbringer and Trading. Like, oh fuck yeah, right, right. Spoiler warning, spoiler warning. I meant to do. Um, <laughs> I, okay, so so Rachel, you could just stop that sentence after the word everything. You'd be good. Be fine. Um, it's not nice. Andy doesn't spoil everything. Nah. Rachel, confirm or deny. Um. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it gives us like lots of different things to talk about. It gives us things to talk about with storyline. It gives us things to talk about with sort of characters, mechanics, um, and it can be either sort of going forward planning or retrospective of oh, wasn't it really cool last time when X, Y, or Z thing happened? Or God damn it, why has Burbage wandered off alone again? Um, <laughs> and love you, Adam. Um, but. But I think that that's really, really nice. I think that that's really nice to have. I think is one of the reasons why a lot of people are, um, are turning to D and D more in this time because one, it's really connecting. Even if you're playing characters, you're connecting with each other. You're talking about. You're working through things cooperatively. Um, you know, Andy's question didn't just specify tabletop RPGs, just gaming generally. You and I both love cooperative games. Yeah. We like the idea of playing something, overcoming this challenge, communicating together, um, and that's just that's just a shit ton of fun. Um, and I think the D and D offers that like no other. And there's an entire thing. Um, uh, Z Bashu, uh, YouTuber, also discusses like the hidden phase of play in D and D, which is um, reminiscing about the adventure and the shared stories. So going back to the very first campaign we ever shared a table on for that group, salt man yeah. will always hold a place in our hearts as you were a half orc paladin. I yeah. Think, who was occasionally uh, not so great at the details, like kind of Stormbringer version one. Yeah, I was gonna say it was it was beta Stormbringer, not in the sense of secondary, but in the sense of testing. Um, but very literal, and you needed to find someone whose name was like uh, Vismir Salt Baron. I'm something. pretty sure his name was Salt Man. Okay, it was not. Pretty sure it was. And the group, and I just remember this moment as the group is like debating, okay, how should how should we approach this character, and what story should we use, and how should we try to get him to like help us or th I don't even remember help us or threaten it was probably threaten him um and and you all saw that he was being attacked by someone and you just describe yourself taking off to square across the city plaza bellowing salt man at the top of your lungs and it was great and it's one of those things that again that's that's just etched into our group's memories Mr. Fluff being a, you know, literally sourpuss. Uh, yeah. Went to Boxy Ranger as Grosh got all the attention for being bulky, fiery. Um, 
and honorable, a thing Mr. Fluff was not. But, you know, that's, it, it's a really nice thing to have. It's a nice respite from the world outside and from bad news in the economy. The world generally! Is Australia's not still on fire? Um, so, I think that that's a really great part of it, and I think that, that we would say that both the interpersonal side and also life in general. Yeah. D&D helps with life. Yeah. Thank you for the question, Andy. J-Step 1. Um, so, I... I actually didn't prep answers for these. Um, I did put them together sort of into a document. Um, I don't like the ellipsis, Monty. <laughs> I'm worried about that. But um, the first, but I sort of organize them a little bit thematically. So the first one, they're a little more trivia and sort of our opinions on things. Um, and then I think the latter half is going to be a little more eerie in how we play. But so just up one on the Discord asks, what D&D class slash race are you most like in real life? Don't, don't you answer that first. I need to think. Um, it's a hard one for me because if they still freaking existed in the game, I would uh, go with Mystic. Um, but I would say... For me, I'm torn between like Wizard or Paladin, and I realize those are two. Um, if you still want mystics, we could just choose to ignore Wizards of the Coast about things, and then you could still have mystics, and I could still have good healing spirit. You're not getting good. <laughs> I love you. It's not happening. But um, I give you all short rest. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh, probably something that something something in based certainly. Um, and as for race, I've always had a hard time with that because it's like, okay, am I being asked that mechanically or flavor-wise? Uh, mechanically, something that probably boosts int and doesn't live forever. Um, so maybe like variant human. Um, if thematically... I'm wrestling with the fact that inside I'm just coming to the conclusion that maybe I'm a high elf. And I might need to Some wine? I know you love wine. God, you no. love wine. He loves wine, you guys. I do not love Um <laughs> I think for me, race, I'm gonna go with this is like a really half-ass answer. I'm not thinking this through, sorry y'all. Um but I'm gonna go with um, just like elf because they're pretty and they live for thousands of years and I'm gonna live for thousands of years, right? Um, and then um, class, I'm kind of like tied between. I'm definitely a spell spell casting class. I'm not strong or dexterous. I'm like fine. I'm average, but um, I'm tied between kind of sorcerer and wizard. I think. Um, Wizard gets at the really academic side of me. I'm, I mean, I'm in grad school right now. I'm seriously considering getting a PhD later in life once I'm less burnt out on papers. I love learning, and I'm, like, 
like I've recently been made aware of the fact that saying that's statistically unlikely isn't comforting to other people. Typically, it's very comforting to me. I love research. Um, so that's really wizardy, right? Because they're, they're the imp-based caster. They got all this through learning, through working their asses off. But that kind of brings me to my other answer, Sorcerer, who just innately has magic. And I'm not, like, magical, probably. But a lot of this, a lot of my qualities are more innate. Um, and also, I kind of love chaos. And I'm a bit of a troll. I'm, I'm a hardcore troll. I was sitting out in the living room today talking to Galway's um, niece, trying to figure out ways to grief players in um, Animal Crossing. Um, <laughs> there's she not a not lot of ways. A, she does not have access to Animal Crossing for the record. Um, so I'm, I think I'm kind of a mix of sorcerer and wizard. I'm, I'm the chaos and I'm the innate qualities that you get with sorcerer, but I also, I mean, I really love... Um, I really love learning for the sake of learning, so I'm also very wizardy. I finally accepted that I'm a Ravenclaw. I wanted to be a Hufflepuff for most of my life because I just wanted to be nice, but I guess I can be a nice Ravenclaw. Um, yeah. Possible. <laughs> um, the other answer, and this was a cl uh, class variant I thought of a little bit ago while you were answering, is um, another one that they haven't officially made, uh, but there's a subclass of Artificer, which was based around um thought and memory and information basically your tools were like calligraphers tools um and you worked with information you worked with knowledge lots of things around memory uh that that one would be a pretty strong one i think i answered this back on the um 30 days of D, &D. my favorite damage type is psychic <laughs> so I, I like the messing around with the mind a question we have to answer because I honey you know what you're what's your favorite damage type? I mean fire is that there a damage we go. type yes it is okay fireball fireball is my favorite damage type until I can get meteor I think that I think that your answer is actually fireball is your favorite D&D &D. <laughs> yes it's not the damage type or the spell or the class it is your favorite D&D &D. yes I'm um, just rem Remember trying to rem oh sweet Jesus! The next time we level in Dom and Dragon, suddenly McKeck has to look out for friendly fire fireballs. I know I'm so excited. I don't want to storm siege Santa until I have fireball. I need fireball for this. Mm. Mm hmm. McKeck <laughs> and his minus one to Dex are like, yay! You're fine. You have a shell. That doesn't help. It helps. Just go inside your shell. No, does not yeah, help. Okay, whatever, Tor. Gives me disadvantage on deck saves. But if you're inside your shell, things can't hurt you. I hope you make this case as passionately to Andy. He doesn't listen to me when I make cases passionately. He just thinks it's funny. <laughs> so but I will. <laughs> uh, Sam in the Discord asks, what's our process for character creation, PCs and NPCs? Uh, why don't you answer PCs and then? Yeah, I don't. I guess I don't do NPCs because I don't DM. Um, so for PCs, I usually figure out what class I want to play, um, and then I figure out 
usually I think I, I don't, I can't think of what I do now. I think usually I kind of figure out what race I'm going to play next. And then I have a, I come up with a character concept around that. Um, I'm not like some other play, people who play D&D who just like have a ton of characters always that they want to play that they've thought through the backstories and stuff, even if they haven't built them. Um, I have a couple that I haven't gotten to play yet, but usually it's stuff I kind of come up with when I like, like I pick a tone and a vibe that I'm going for and how I kind of want to feel and be like with Amelia. I wanted to just be really dark and down um, and monotone. Um, so I built a character that made sense for that around that vibe. Um, Stormbringer, I wanted somebody who would get to, I don't know if these are spoilers. I don't think these are spoilers. I don't know what spoilers are. Um, Stormbringer, I wanted somebody who would get to be kind of, you know, turn my fucking brain off sometimes and also really caring, but also really amoral. Um, that all sounded fun to me. Um, Elif, I wanted to, I want to lean into the fucking chaos, right? I wanted to, um, blow shit up. And then I needed to think of some ways to kind of ratchet it back a little so that I can play in a party with other human beings without them hating me. Um, but so I think I kind of like, I pick a class and sometimes a race and then I kind of just pick a vibe that I want. Um, sometimes the vibe comes first yeah. and then I pick the, the class. I think race is basically always last for me. I think race is almost always like a mechanical decision for you. Yeah. Um, and then backstory, backstory grows out of the vibe. Like I build a backstory that fits the tone I want. Yeah. Cause like, I feel like I'm trying to remember with Amelia, cause we talked about it. You had the vibe first that also, and then you kind of had the vibe, the class and the backstory, at least the big elements of it almost simultaneously. because you had her vibe. You had sort of why she was that way. And then that led you to, oh, her goal would be this, so it made the most sense to be an artificer alchemist. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And so, yeah, I would say you start either from you mechanically want to play a class or you have sort of a vibe that you bring out in a character. Um, I am one of those people who has a giant backlog of characters that they want to play and will never play. Um, because... Uh, time is a thing, and it's a limited resource. Um, I think I, I have... have a thing. Add the list of things that aren't things, in your opinion. Um, I have a philosophical argument. Oh, God, no. Please, no. Um, but I think I, I, I approach them either mechanically or... Um, sort of that vibe or that feel of a character I want to enact, and it can kind of depend. Um, it, it, Squirm, for example, was I wanted to play a monk. I I literally started with, I want to play a drunken master monk who is like a six-year-old, two-foot-tall kobold, because having a deeply alcoholic six-year-old kobold sound funded to me. Um, How'd you add the kobold? Yeah. Deep alcoholic six-year-old. Nope. Uh, nope. No. And thank you, Chris. Chris is backing me up on the time thing. We don't have to have a whole argument, but time is fake. Anyway, continue your answer. Just roll. No fucking can. no. <laughs> um uh whereas a lot of my character and some of my characters are uh mechanical, some of them are feel so charity, for example. Um 
I'd volunteered to take the role of healer, but I also knew I wanted to create a really caring, supportive character. Um, and I wanted to also play a little bit, even down to Charity's name and the trope of the, the sort of standard fantasy trope of the healer with a virtue name is inevitably going to be a woman character. And I'm like, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and, and get to get to play with sort of some of those roles a little bit. And frankly, the mechanics all later on Charity. I, I, I knew, OK, role I want to take is healer. And I'd say that I think about that a lot. Not so much class, but OK, what role do we need or do I want to play? Um, do I want to be front? Do I want to be tankier? Do I want to be a caster? Do I... And then after that, I'm like, okay, what's everything in the game that can heal? Not this, not this, yeah. not this. Um, that's that's sort of it. Um, my process for NPCs, because uh, I do DM, is a little bit different. Uh, were they supposed to meet this person? Were they supposed to interact with this person for more than three sentences? Um, and is this person important to the story? If the person is important to the story or um, they were supposed to have lengthy interactions with them, I, in my world building and in my DMing, I like to take the approach that this world is real and has a reality outside of the party's actions. It's not just centered on the party. The party obviously have an enormous impact and strongly affect the state of the world, but this person would have been doing something whether or not the party existed. And so I always try to sort of give them a voice, give them a presence, give them a personality. And I'd also say compared to a lot of DMs, that I've seen or that I've heard about the vast majority of my NPCs do not give a great goddamn about the party. Um, they're, they're neutral. They're neither friendly or hostile. Yeah. It's like, why, why does this, this person would not really care. You're interacting with them. If you're nice to him, he'll probably be nice and kind. If you're mean to him, he's probably going to be shitty to you if he can. Um, so that's, that's sort of a big thing. Uh, on the other side, when suddenly, um, the players begin interacting with a character that I wasn't prepared for. Let's go with the shopkeeper in Swift Cross uh, for Tear Beyond the Doors. Where the fuck is Swift Cross? That's where Vithri lived. Okay. So Vithru is a good example of a... Um, also, spoilers for yeah. Tears Beyond the Doors. Spoiler for Tears Beyond the Doors. It's not, not, out not in the spoilers. podcast yet, um, and it's not major anything. But Vithru would be a good example of a, a story-important character. I spent time sort of crafting him, figuring out... This shopkeeper, who uh, whose name I cannot remember, um, I'd been looking through a random list of like character quirks, and... One that I saw was cannot see or hear dwarves. And I was like, going with it. This I'm sure this will not at all come up. And then they're all just like talking to him. And I like casually throw in that there's a dwarf there. And like the entire party sees them. And, and this shopkeeper is just not reacting. It ended up on Sonny's to-do list is get this shopkeeper able to see dwarves again. Yeah. Um, I, I love that there was this entire thing that had to be like, like oh, uh, well, but how did this happen? I'm like, I don't know if I can this happen. Like all right, all right, all right, figure it out. 
Um, but yeah, so so it kind of depends on the character. I always do try to give them a little bit of both a physical description and some kind of quirk. And I would say the biggest thing that I try to do is think about what this character's orientation would be with the default answer of neutral. If they're a shopkeeper, are you going to come in and politely purchase things from their shop? They're good with you. Um, are you being a pain in the ass or being disruptive? They'll probably call the guard. Like, you know, this isn't... This isn't, like, that complicated, nor is everyone super familiar when I make it. Jerry 74 on Discord. Favorite characters to play or DM for? Okay, this is where we will almost certainly end up with some kind of spoiler. Yeah, probably spoilers. Um, I love all my characters a lot. Um, Victoria was probably one of my least favorite, but not because she's not awesome. It just wasn't quite as fun. Um... I think, so I love Stormbringer because I love being able to turn off my brain. Like, it's like a, it's like a boon and a curse because, like, also I don't always turn my brain off, so I, like, know things strategically or I know things um, plot-wise that there's no way Stormbringer would have reasoned out. She's not smart. Um, (laughs) she doesn't think deep. But I love, it's, it's a really nice break, um, from... Just everything, getting to turn my brain off. I think one of my other favorite characters was a character that hasn't been on any podcasts, Jade. And Sunny is kind of a reprisal of Jade, where she just, it's really nice getting to be nice. And Sunny is a little obnoxious, because I have to be a little obnoxious, right? Like, I wouldn't be myself if I wasn't being obnoxious sometimes. Um, (laughs) But it's it's so nice just getting to be um, just nice to people and seeing the best in people and wanting to think the best of people even when I know I shouldn't, like Lena knows I shouldn't because... You produce a to-do list to help them. Right, it's really cool. Um, and then also Elif is fun because it's fun getting to be really chaotic and, I mean, blow shit up. I haven't blown enough shit up, but... We're working on it. I love <laughs> I love just getting to lean into the chaos, and uh, that's another way of kind of getting to turn my brain off. And also I love Amelia. I love all of them. Um, but I'll stop. <laughs> um... Okay, I I also have the kind of cop-out answer of I, I do love all of my characters. Um, and I think that this is one of those things that we have a question that sort of relates to this a little bit later. I'm often surprised at where my characters end up going. Um, I Over time, I have stopped trying to define exactly this person at this point of time. I need to... I want to do enough to give the DM... Um, usually Andy, a hook as to why my character would be adventuring. I want to know that. And the thing that I'm really big on is I want to know what they want after they're adventuring. Like, that's one of my favorite questions that I implement as a DM is asking people like, oh, what's a short-term goal for this person? What's a long-term goal for this person? Where would they like to end up? What would they like to be doing? Because I think that that adds a layer of depth to the character. Um, I deeply enjoyed getting to play Squirm. I think kind of for similar reasons as Stormbringer, even though it kills me a little bit not to be the party like voice and strategist. I am usually the face the face and the strategist. Um But Squirm was just so much goddamn fun that his like his entire morality of there's good people, there's bad people, you punch the bad people, you try not to punch the good people. If you do, buy him a drink. Um Squirm's voice was a lot of fun to do. It was fun to get to be a real happily. 
five. Um, he also has one of my favorite lines of all time in the finale uh, of it. And he ended up having a nice little character arc about personal growth. Um, and yeah, again, definitely, definitely spoilers for, um, for Waterdeep Dragon Heist. Um, Squirm's relationship with Amelia and what that looked like and how that got enacted. This friendship that was incredibly meaningful in the end to both of them. And also, I think, was a catalyst for both of them growing in different ways. Um, it was just a ton of fun to get to enact and play and be in that headspace of. I, of course, love Charity. Um, I also actually deeply love playing Mekek. It's a real relief getting to play a character with a deep voice who isn't just gravel. Um <laughs> Because charity, when I especially when I'm remembering to really lean into the charity voice, is significantly higher than my voice. Um, and it makes it really hard for battle scenes as charity, where I'm like, yeah, no, no, this isn't voice doesn't like. Um, favorite characters to DM for? Um, shit. Uh, dark following, haha, McLaughlin. Um, that was meant to be a horror two-shot and a creepy. I, I, I just stepped back at some point. Like, this, this character was just making everything creepier for everyone, yeah. and it was fucking amazing. Was really I bad. really encourage you to go watch The Dark Following. It's, it's just a two-shot. It's super quick. It's in the uh, Ghosts and Dragons podcast. It's a lot of psychological horror, so be okay with that. A lot of impossible spaces. Um, that was a ton of fun. Um, I love doing that. I, I love all of the little... Of all the little shitheads in uh, Tear Beyond the Doors. Um, I even love Rook. Shitheads. I even love Rook and Sunny as they're sitting there arguing in the first episode to try to, like, figure out, like, oh, maybe we can just stay in here for years. And it's like, no, the plot is pretty clearly suggesting you maybe don't that do that. That is one of that. my most oh my favorite God. things to do is to derail DM's plots. It is a blast. Um, it's so much fun. Help. Um and yes, sorry, I Adam, I don't even remember what I said, but yes, it's in helpful government. Um back with all the other Halloween one shots. That one was a lot of fun. Um I'm trying to think other characters. One shoe was a ton of fun. Um yes, Chris, I see you in chat. One shoe was a shit ton of fun. Um I do not know how you managed to maintain one shoe's energy over the entirety of a fucking five hour one shot. Yeah. And also basically never stop singing. <laughs> um go watch that one shot too. It was one shoe was worth it. It's also helpful to present, correct? Yes, and I believe the Raging Storm is actually in the podcast. Okay. Right Amber Heart Mystery is in there. Um I, I would also say in terms of favorite characters to to DM for um Basically, any time I see a player have a character and that the player and the character are both sort of bringing curiosity about the world, curiosity about the story, and their own way of of engaging with it, uh, getting confirmation that Chris still sings the song. Um, it's just really rewarding. It's really rewarding to DM. I enjoy it. I... Even sometimes when like your engagement is trolling, etc., you, you engage with the world really deeply, and it's a lot of fun.
Monty. We've both played a wide range of characters. We just uh, started to talk about that. Any you didn't feel a connection with or some you'd love to get the chance to play again? Um, I didn't feel as connected to Victoria. I really liked her. Um, she just didn't, she didn't seem as me. Like, I strongly believe that everybody puts a piece of themselves into their D&D characters. Um, I don't, and maybe that's also what acting is. I'm not an actor, but I think I have this theory that acting and D&D are playing aspects of yourself, right? Um, Victoria wasn't an aspect of myself that I feel, like, deeply connected to or an aspect of myself that I'm probably really going to feed. Um, so I didn't feel as into Victoria. Um, who, I don't, who have I stopped playing? Amelia. I would love yeah. to play Amelia again. Um, she was a very strong aspect of myself. She's the counterbalance to the sunny side of me. And I would, I would fucking love to play Amelia again. Um, I this minor spoiler, but sticking fish hooks in, I think it was a dwarf, consensually, consensually fish hooking a dwarf to see how many we could fit. And in like, like the second episode or something really early on was one of my favorite things I've ever done in D&D. Um, he was into it. He wanted it. Uh, Consensually fish hooking. This wasn't also, it wasn't sexual. I'm making it sound sexual. It yeah, wasn't you sexual. are. You're making it sound real sexual. Um, it's real awkward. Anyway, it was really fun. <laughs> I loved Amelia. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I didn't feel a connection with. I don't. I don't think so. Um. I've ended up can I would also say that I haven't played in as many one shots, and I think that part of it was Victoria for you was in a one shot, whereas you probably would have molded the character, <laughs> molded the character to be more of an aspect of yourself that you wanted to feed and that you wanted to play. I feel like. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just watching Rachel have a meltdown. In the um. Uh. And I think that because I haven't had, I haven't really played in any of the one shots, and I haven't really played in many one shots overall. Um, I've always had the opportunity to take characters and sort of steer them back towards something that I want to play mm -hmm. or develop, um, and and get to have that sort of whole experience. Uh, character, I'd love to get the chance to play again. Um, I'd love to get to play Squirm again. Um, I I I would love to get to have writhe and squirm get to go fuck up the entire city of war yeah. again um there's again minor spoilers for uh war deep dragon heist there is an abusive pet owner uh, and pet seller that needs to get fed to a giant badger no um, babe no we kill them and then i use them for my research but mr chompers got it no mr chompers can have carrots Mr. Chompers seems pretty clearly carnivorous. I think carrots are meat. Do you think that? Or does Ryde think that? I mean, fuck, why not both, right? Let's retcon it. <laughs> no. No. Ryde is better than that. <laughs> um... But I, I'd love to get to play that. Um, we've talked about maybe bringing uh, some of those characters back. Sort of brief campaign. Disperse. Um, the names were designed. Rachel. Um, <laughs> technically, it's what Squirm named Amelia. 
because of what people that are mentioned. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to play. I'd like get, like to get to play him again. We. I'm sorry. We don't. We don't have that command. <laughs> sorry. Um, we'll look into ways to do that. I'm not sure we can integrate uh, gifs in. But um, yeah, I think that's that's pretty full answer to that. Yeah. Vex, what racer class have you played in the past that you would play differently now? Uh, this one's actually pretty easy for me, so you can think about it okay, for a good. second. Um, one of my, f not first, but one of my earlier characters um, was a warlock named Servant. Help me if this starts sounding familiar to anyone who's watching here beyond the doors. Um, I... Servant was the first spellcaster I played, and I didn't really understand the mechanics of spellcasting. I didn't understand what set warlocks apart, and I didn't really expect to. Um, I didn't expect some of the development and some of the party role that Servant ended up taking. So this is also kind of an answer to a question of, which I think is coming a little bit later. Have you ever had a character develop differently than you were expecting? Servant developed differently than I was expecting, and that meant that my stat base was really sort of mediocre for what I wanted to do. And as much as that was still fine, it was still fun, and I, I loved that character, it it made it a little bit difficult to do some of the things that I then wanted to do, um, and that the party needed me to do two monks and a warlock. Um, but yeah. Um, my first character was a sorcerer, and I, again, that was in Pathfinder, but I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but I've played a sorcerer since then, and knew what I was doing. I would like to play sorcerer again, though, and I would play it differently. Um, sort of, like, sorcerer is the class of my heart. More fire? Yeah, basically, I'd make sure to optimize it for explosions. Um, I'm, I'm realizing warlocks are very good for that also, but metamagic makes things fun. Um... And also, I mean, the only paladin I've ever played was Voligan, and I think I would like to take another whack at paladin, playing something kind of weirder um, than the kind of standard idea for a paladin, just because I think it would be fun to branch out into that. Yeah, to be fair, though, Lena, while playing Voligan, this very standard paladin, would repeatedly scream at her party members, Fuckers, heal yourselves! Okay, but that wasn't Voligan, that was Lena. Lena that doesn't want to be the healer. I hate being the healer. That was Lena. Um, as for, I don't think there's any races that I would directly play differently um, that I can think of. Mr. Fluff, my tabaxi, was a very excitable kid. Right? Race is also, at least for me, and I think for you, a whole lot less meaningful for our characters, yeah, typically. I, it's more of, like, additional flavor than it is in... Yeah. Than it plays I, a part in shaping anything. I make it very clear that we are not going to be playing with the fantasy racism. We are not going to be any of my worlds. Um, I just don't like it. I don't like the energy that it brings to it. And I also... I'll have an entire rant on this in a future Goat's Eye View. Um, the fact that D&D &D seems to conflate race and culture... And not be able to mechanically distinguish between the two bothers the hell out of me as a sociologist. So, um, yeah, it, it's something that I've never put as much emphasis on. They're basically stat block. And yeah. A little bit of fun with like appearance and mannerisms. Like right. Mr. Fluff 
hung out on chandeliers and ate fish and stole yarn from every shop we went to. But yeah. it was just in as a sort of fun piece. I, I don't like the alignments. I see Monty variously agree. Yes, D&D has flavor issues. Hey, Akbatok. Um, Sam in Discord asks, is there a particular component of role-playing that you struggle with? How do you go about improving on it slash working around this? So this is kind of the move into more how do we do role-play. I struggled a lot um, um, when we started, when I started gaming, with having fleshed out characters, with having characters whose motivations made sense and weren't just Lena's motivations, who had, you know, some aspect of backstory that kind of made them who they were, um, and who wasn't just me being a, what are they called? Little treasure, the treasure people. Munchkins. Yeah, a munchkin. Or a murder hobo. Or a murder hobo. Because um, I really like murdering and I like treasure, right? Like, who doesn't like those things? Um, but... I struggled a lot with that when I first started. Um, I feel unsafe. Now. I think working on improving it um, has been putting more thought into my backstories. Actually, still going with a vibe and a tone instead of a backstory to start with, but putting thought into why why I have this vibe and this tone. Um, keeping writing small notes for myself that I have in a really easily. Um, viewable space when I'm starting a new character so that I can really quickly glance and be like, okay, those are my motivations. That's why I'm doing this. This is what I want. And like Stormbringer, I've been playing for so long. It's been like two years or something that I know her um, back and front. I know, is that like an idiom? It is now. Um, <laughs> I know really well what her motivations are at any given time. Elif is still harder for me because we just started doing Dom and Dragons, so I just started playing Elif, so I referenced those, and then I think also it's just been kind of like a natural growth, partially from doing um, Twitch and the podcast, is I want to be, I want to be good, I want to be interesting, I don't just want to be a murder hobo, I want to live up to all the amazing actors I'm playing with, because they're really good, so it's been kind of just pushing myself to lean into that growth. Thanks, Monty. Have a good day at work. Also, Talk, thank you for the follow. Um, I think that if there's a, a part that I struggle with, and Andy occasionally like uh, calls it out when we're playing, um, I've I've spent so long in groups where there was a need and a desire for me to sort of the face and the strategist that it's really hard for me to turn that off like um several times in Waterdeep Dragon Heist Andy I can hear Galway trying not to leave and it's it's hard it's just what I'm kind of used to it's it's the characters that I've traditionally played um it's also where I because of my first character who was not dumb or anything but they were not particularly intelligent i've made sure that beyond not dumping int i think i usually go with a 12 int because i'm like god damn it i cannot stand galway seeing these connections and there being no possible way that this character should see isn't them. it kind of fun to just turn your brain off and be like whatever will be will be if the party burns the party burns no i take care of all of you no matter okay. what character it is i mean that's I very nice Sometimes um, you just gotta lean into the chaos and the results. 
I love you. Um, and so that, that, that definitely came up uh, with Squirm a bit. I would also say that one of the things that... I don't know if it's a thing that I... I struggle with because I'm pretty good at separating, I would say, character knowledge from player knowledge and meta knowledge from character knowledge, which we're also going to talk about a little bit later. But the, I'm trying to think of how to say this. As a player, not just opting for sort of this ruthless efficiency of combat in 5e, I mostly love the role play. I love the exploration, you know, the um, Wizards of the Coast talks about three pillars, combat, exploration, role. I love exploration and I love the role play. The combat's fine, don't get me wrong, it's fun. I like getting to go out and I like getting to fight things. But you talked some about gaming and other types of board gaming. I, I do a lot of strategy board gaming and a lot of tactical board gaming. And it's like D&D isn't that, so it's a relatively easy system to solve, and sometimes I have to try to remember to step back from that. Um, and one of the ways that I think I've tried to do that is try to integrate more roleplay into the combat, and just not mm -hmm. having it be a rushing through it, but like, okay, let's, instead of just trying to minimize the time spent in combat by ruthlessly nuking the ever-loving hell out of this thing in a perfectly optimized manner, um let's draw this out but add some role play to the encounter itself also hello refondo mondo um i think i said that right um and i think that the big thing that i do in working on this improving it is just always trying to center back on that question what is this character doing what does this character want one of my favorite things which which was a thing that I came across, and I'm sure there are guides online that have it, but I came across it independently when I thought about one of my characters, Vareth, who I loved them. They were a great character, but I was like, shit, this character's arc either ends with them dead or just adventuring until they're dead because they don't have anything past that. And I realized that once I added even a simple question of like, what does this character want to do? In five years, that sort of horrible interview question, where do you see yourself in five years as you're hiring people for your party? Um, but it added a lot of depth and nuance for me in the character. I'm like, no, this character wouldn't do that. They want to do X, Y, or Z thing. Um, they, that's what they want to do. And like, um, this isn't particularly spoilery, but again, for Waterdeep Dragon Heist, that is, in fact, this kind of question of what does this character want to do? What is this long-term goal? Is basically Squirm's entire character arc is thinking about that goal and thinking about what that means and what he actually wants to do. Um, and that's that was really, really enjoyable to get to play. So I think that that's probably the main way that I work on it, and it helps tie things back. That's also been one of the most, you touched on one of the most helpful things for me for being able to develop my characters more than I used to, is you and Andy both have started with um, new characters asking a few like primer questions, like yeah. connections they would have, what their goals or motivations are, and that really helps me think about those things more, and then gives me something concrete to be like, okay, this is what I want. Yeah, and like my side of that was literally based out of almost my realization that I couldn't answer those questions for Vareth. Mm -hmm. I knew their I knew their background. I knew why they wanted I knew why they wanted their short term goal and I knew what that short term goal was, but I realized I'm like, 
there's just nothing past that. And to be fair, uh, Vareth was also a revenge arc, so that almost spoke to that. Of yeah. There was a hollowness past that, and that's why I ended up okay with it for that particular character. But I started getting way more conscientious about trying to ask, what's a little victory? What's a thing? Like One of the questions I think I frequently ask you guys is, what is something that this character is proud of? What's something that this character is ashamed of? Because I think that that adds a really nice, fleshed-out element of getting you to some of their values without just doing, like, a, oh, roll a d6, and there's my bond, and these are my ideals. It's like, yeah, that's a great system. It's especially great if you're rolling a character up quickly, but there's so much more to that. Like, what are you proud of? What's a thing that you would tell these other adventurers about yourself quickly? Who... Who would you be most likely to make friends with and why is another question that I like because it encourages people to both form a connection inside the party and it also makes them think about, well, but but why? Why is that character going to respond to the kindest person in the party mm-hmm. or the one who's most obliged or most inclined to get things done? Um, and I think all of those. Have any of your characters ever made a decision or developed in a way that you were not expecting? This is from Monty who. I'm going to warn now, when I answer mine, I'll let Galway go first. Mine is major spoilers for, um, for Fates of Ren, for uh, Goats and Dragons. Goats Fates and Dragons, the Fates of Ren, the family. Um, like, really hardcore spoilers for something that just happened relatively recently on stream, so I think it's up on the podcast, but I think it would be the most... Is it the most recent podcast episode, or is it the second most recent? Um... Do you know, even know what I'm talking about? I probably know what you're talking about. I'm not sure where we <laughs> I broke I just realized like, you didn't like... I'm not sure where we broke those episodes. Anyway, so it's, it's hardcore spoilers um, if you're not caught up, on, caught up in the podcast. I will. We can do a hands up to indicate when we're cutting over to you. Um, uh, decision or develop in a way that you were not expecting? Okay, hey, let's have some more... Um, Fates and Fates of Rin, Fates and Rin. Yeah, Fates and Rin. That's 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 the name of that's the name of the series that we've been playing for two years. Jesus Christ. Um, Fates of Rin spoilers. This one is way earlier though. This is uh, back in the first season, and I think sometime around episode forty. Um, I actually know because it's a quote that's in here. Um. Episode 28, so it's pretty early on. Um, Charity's response to Behelet. Um, I've warned you. Um, Charity's response to Behelet on being told to kill Birch. It's not that I was expecting him to go like, oh, yeah, fuck that hobbit. Um, I'll just murder him. Well, but at the same time, in the backstory, and this is the thing that the player wasn't expecting, as well as like the character wasn't. Bellet was this incredibly important figure to charity. I mean, I described and I role played in any of the sessions. Charity uh, was in audience with Bellet. He would be crying. Like this was a really emotionally powerful moment to. To him, every time he had this connection, he had this sense of place. And we had been developing, not intentionally, for, I would say, Adam or me, and I don't know about for Andy. Um, but 
Burbage being this character that Charity was really, really intrigued by because he was simultaneously kind of immoral and also kind of a disaster artist, but also a really fundamentally good person in a way that resonated with Charity, and it resonated with him after having had arguments with early on um and the moment led to one of my favorite quotes from charity which is this just debate with behelet on what it means to be good and why people might be good and what goodness even means and ends with just this declaration of i am charity my family's charity and up until i did that moment i didn't know what the fallout was going to be i wasn't really going to go murder a player character um even though the dm was telling me to which was one of these weird things andy and i tend to have a rule don't break the party and i'm like you just fucking told me to break the party but andy trusted you not to break the party yeah i think he also did not expect me to go yeah and I, i don't think he expected me to go to go murder um burbage but but that was certainly a major pivotal moment for Charity, and it was not one that I saw coming. Um, I didn't expect Behelet to demand that. I didn't, I didn't know what my response to that was going to be um, and exactly how we were going to play that. And, and that's where I love that sort of first flicker of this defiant in Charity of, no, 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 fuck, this... This is what I think is right. I don't care what other people are doing. So. So mine, major spoilers for podcast if you're not cut up, yeah, caught so, up. Um, Adam says it's from, it was, happened about three to four podcast episodes ago. So if you're relatively caught up, it might not be a major spoiler. But major spoiler for Fates of Ren if you're not. By um, the way, if you are hopefully watching this and also if you're in the chat, I will like wave when it's safe to come back. Yeah, after we'll start doing like YMCA. Uh, I am going to get slapped right in the fucking face. With- <laughs> oh, Jesus. That was a spear hand. Okay. Um, okay, so yeah, we'll, we'll mime or we'll type in chat. We'll type in chat when you can turn the sound back on. That makes more sense than miming. Also mime. Um, so... Okay, no, let's do Uh, yeah, so... Stormbringer trying to murder Arben was not, it was a surprise to me. It wasn't a surprise because it made perfect sense um, for where she was at, right? She had had, I, do I need to spoiler tag things for previous things? Also, the charity thing? Here, here's another major spoiler for podcast. Major spoilers just all around for the Fates of Ren. So if you're not completely caught up on the podcast, you should probably just go. Yeah, stop listening to and me. And care about These spoilers. are major. I'm going to give you a sec. No, wait, okay. wait, wait. That wasn't the waving for comeback. That wasn't, that wasn't the waving for comeback. Don't come back. Don't come back. <laughs> um, okay. Shit. So she had had... She, she lost Vimeris. She lost Charity. She has gone... Um, really um uh yandere to use a thing from japanese dating sims because i played too many dating sims she's gone really full i love my family so much i love the family so much i'm going to take care of them no matter what and she's gone kind of fucking crazy 
So it made sense for what she did, for her to try to kill Arben. It made sense for where she was at. Not try. Um, it made sense for where she was at completely, but it was also a complete su surprise to me. Like, I didn't think I would, like like do that like i always strategize right and i was like oh that doesn't really make good strategic sense that's gonna upset people it did upset people it upset people a lot people people being burbage were very 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 upset it set off a huge um fight in the family and i didn't expect that i was going to do that at all i i knew that we were going to have to deal with the situation in some way i didn't think we were going to deal with it in that way right then or that i would just fucking lean into it and literally twist the knife. That was all a complete surprise, um, but also made complete sense for where Stormbringer was. It wasn't me just being a, like, murder hobo. It absolutely fit yeah. with Stormbringer. <laughs> it was the opposite of murder hoboing, because it was directly against our interests in a lot of ways, except for the character interests. But it was very shocking. And it's, yeah. it's weird when you have that thing that you do when your character does something that you as a player regret because you're like, I got to keep doing this. I got to keep leaning in and playing my character, but also inside you're screaming. <laughs> like, God, I'm so sorry. Um, so it was really interesting and it was very surprising to, I think everybody involved, including me. I wasn't that sure. Okay. Well, fine. Everybody else. Yeah. It was definitely a surprise to everybody. And it's safe to come back now. If you turned the sound off. Why? YMC. A. Okay. Oh yeah. So um. Uh, Rafonda Mondo. Yeah, I, I had seen your question, and yeah, Rachel had asked something pretty pretty similar, so we can answer it for both of you right here, and I can get my cursor off of that. How do we go about not metagaming? Is it a struggle to make a decision that goes against what you want to do, but you know is what your character would do? So it's. Um, I know we break that into two. Yeah, questions. that's two questions. So I go about not metagaming by I think focusing on my character motivations, like we've talked about, like five minutes ago, whatever. Um, it really helps a lot. It helps a lot also to. I don't think of D and D as a game I'm trying to win. So I don't need to, like, look up cheats, right? And I don't need to metagame to win this game. It's not a game to win. It's a game... I'm not fighting with Andy. We're not adversaries or Galway when he's the DM. The whole point is to tell an awesome, fun story and to get to a conclusion that we're all happy with and satisfied with and feel like we told a really good story. Even when we're not doing podcast or stream... The goal is to tell a cool story with friends. It's not to beat Andy or to beat Galway. So that helps with the metagaming because I don't have that desire to really hardcorely metagame. Metagame. Um, but it is still a hardcore struggle to make a decision that goes against what I want to do, but I know is what my character would do. It fucking kills me inside. It kills me inside every time that I have to not make the strategic decision. And it's also, it's fun. It's freeing. It's really freeing for me. I don't think it is for Galway. It's really freeing for me to just get to be like, fuck, let's see what happens. Um, I play board games with a really fuck it mentality, and I definitely kind of bring that into D&D sometimes. Um, but it also, it is, it is hard. It's, 
it is like painful to know I'm making a decision that's going to result in bad things for my character or the party, but it's absolutely what my character would do. Yeah. I think that metagaming, um, I've just tried to, I've tried to get really good and really um, rigorous about separating what my character would know, like what Charity knows versus what Galway knows. And this is especially true for me with most combats because I DM and I actually, one of my favorite books for 5e is the monster manual it actually has a ton of great flavor in there and i just like paging through it there's lots of fun art um but that means that there's just like whole sets of stat blocks that i i basically know or halfway sort of remember and it's like oh i remember seeing that this thing is resistant to fire or blah 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 um and i think that the system that i tend to do with that is i try to be really clear and really explicit when there is player knowledge that the character shouldn't have, like I try to flag that for Andy. And you'll probably, if you've listened to stream or the podcast, you'll hear me doing that of, okay, I know this. There is no reason that Charity knows this. There is no reason that Squirm knows this, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I like to try to flag that because the other thing that that does is sometimes we will have monsters where then i can have an open conversation with andy of could charity have figured this out could squirm have figured this out like i feel like there's enough of a hint here um this is a no i'm not even gonna make it a spoiler at some point we have a fight uh with the family where um there's creatures sort of emerging from fire um and I, I think I even say to him, I'm like, okay, so given that Charity's not a moron and he just saw that thing come out of fire, he's probably not going to think fire does a lot to it, right? And Andy's like, yeah, no, no, fire is not going to hurt this thing. And I'm like, okay, that's a good way of trying to maintain what the player knows. That thing resists fire and go, no, but I have evidence for that as Charity. Charity is not an idiot. Let's go ahead and just go with, I'm not going to try my fire spells. Um... Is it a struggle to make a decision that goes against what I want to do, but what you know is what your character would do? There's where I get a little bit more, not metagaming, but what Lena was talking about, about making the right choice. The way that I've kind of, and it is it is a struggle for me. Um, the roleplay aspect and the exploration aspect are not puzzles to be solved. They're not, they're not things that have a solution. Whereas the combat for me very much is there's a thing that has a solution. Um, and I've tried to basically try to integrate more role play into that. Um, it has not helped that the character that I've played the longest now, like recently and most continuously, has been Charity, who um, is both the healer and kind of the blaster mage. Um, like I'm, I'm the heavy magical damage, and I'm also the healer. And that means that basically every one of my turns, I am presented with this like duality of heal someone, buff someone, etc. That side of it, and make that thing a deep fried like critter. And I always have to weigh those and balance those. So I would say that Charity is actually one of my most strategic characters anyway. So it can the struggle is almost hardest with him in my mind. With Squirm, it was pretty easy. And Squirm was like, all right. 
Which one looks like the most fun to punch? That one? Okay, we go punch that one. Is Sparkles standing near that one? Good, we really punch that one. Um, but with, with Charity, it's even harder to try to sometimes be able to take that step back because also Charity's fundamentally invested in keeping the family. That's the thing. Is, that is his shtick. And that makes it even harder than, I think, to have discussion. Yeah. Also, it helps, like, I've never DM'd, so, like, he talks about, like, knowing stat blocks for monsters and stuff. Half the time, like, Andy or Galway describes a monster, and I don't even know what monster it is, even though I totally should, because I've been playing D&D for ten years. So, it's, this. that's very easy for me to just turn off. Uh, Rafonda Mondo, um, how do you handle that out of combat? That, that kind of struggle against optimization, um, versus character work um i find it much easier outside of it because then i'm in character work exploration wise um i know how the character feels about exploration like charity is extremely cautious uh squirm was a little more gung-ho um especially once he got some shoes that let him climb on the ceiling a lot he was just like bye fuckers (laughs) i think out of combat conversely it's almost harder for me because as much as all my characters are aspects of myself Sometimes my characters go to places where I don't want to be. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to be doing these things. I don't want to be saying these things. Um, and that's again just kind of leaning back into what my character's motivations are and her goals and why she would be doing these things. Um, but it's it can be challenging to put myself in that emotional space. If it's not the emotional space I want to be in, it can be a real struggle. Yeah. Um, and I think I do it well, but that doesn't mean it's not tiring sometimes. Yeah, and I was going to say, without without going into spoiler territory, but over the course of Fates of Rin, um, Charity and Burbage particularly have certainly had a few blow-ups at each other because of just are and what their personalities are and sort of what each of their... Frankly, their histories and their damage without, without again, spoiling anything. And I think that one of the things that we've had to do with that, because um, Adam is a much better actor than I am and a much more trained actor, but within this and within my role play, I definitely lean into what the character would do and what the character is feeling. And that, that leaves you drained. That leaves you feeling some city things. And I think one of my favorite things that we've managed to do with this group, these people, is is care for that and is make sure that everyone is okay. Whether that's um, in the break in an episode, after the episode, whatever it is, next few days, just sort of checking in, feeling out how things are going, making sure that everyone's okay, and making sure that. First and foremost, like, we, we, neither you nor I had, like, met or gotten to know Adam before we got onto this, but we've been playing D&D with him now for a couple of years. Like, I would have an excellent friend. I would have a close friend. He knows more about my psychology and some of, like, the shit that I deal with and some of the issues that I personally, Galway, have than a lot of people who knew me for a long time before that. Um... And 
And I think that that's just, that's the most important thing. It's that, yeah, no, these characters are there. Let's figure out how to route back to we're okay. We're not splitting the party. Um, and most importantly, first and foremost, are the players okay? How's everyone doing? We love each other. We're okay. You know, we trust each other. And we appreciate, I think, the... the that each yeah. other bring. I'm amazed that I managed to get through that with being really spoiler-like. <laughs> um, that was a fucking maze of things that I could say that would have gone badly. Um, so thank you for the, uh, the follow-up question. I think kind of the short answer is know your character. Is if um, if there's something that you think your character would want to do that you don't want to do do that. But also know your character. Know the know motivations. Why. Know why your character is yeah. doing these things. Um, because that makes it, that just makes all of it a lot. Yeah, and that's that's why like again the the bonds and the the links and all of those things that they have in the player's handbook are great but i encourage you to actually think more about questions that 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 even though they're not very deep it's not like um it's not like produce a 15 page backstory but something like what's an achievement that your character is proud of what's something that your character is ashamed of it doesn't have to be horrifying this isn't like oh you murdered your entire family or you utterly failed in something and you caused like your family to fall into family. It can be really small. It can be like fucking stole something when you were five or blah, blah, blah. But it means something that that's what your character picks as the thing that they're ashamed. And I think it gives you really great context. Yeah. Um, So answering some of those questions, I think makes all of those other things. Yeah. Uh, What's been your most memorable fail? Actually, you would ask about um, <laughs> um, Now, does that mean... How are we taking this? Do I'm mean taking this that as, a, as, like, actual, like, like draw a one. Okay, you mean a crit, you mean a crit fail. I don't know if that's what she meant, but that's how that's, I'm... That's how we're taking idiot. it. That's fine. I just wanted to make sure we were at least answering the same question. Um, and my answer is I have the memory of a goldfish and can't remember any of my ones off the top of my head. So we're going to have Galway answer that while I think for a second. Um. Oh, okay, no, wait, I have one. I have a good one. It's not from um, the podcast or the stream. This is in my Pathfinder days. I was playing a barbarian, a half-orc barbarian, um, and we were coming up on this encampment. Um, we were on the top of a, uh, like a dune, so we were sneaking up like on our tummies, um, watching them. And then I was, the plan was, since I'm the barbarian, the plan was for me to charge down first. The um, spellcaster, I forget which class, was going to enlarge me, and I was going to, you know, lead the charge of us um, taking out, I don't know, like these gnolls or something. I don't remember what they were. Probably gnolls, because it was in the desert. Um, so he casts enlarge on me, and this is running down a dune. So I have to make an, it would be an acrobatics check in 5e. I don't know what it was in um, Pathfinder. But I have to make a save to see if I'm, you know, making it down that hill real good. Or if I'm kind of, you know, really noticeable or kind of stumbling, going slower. And I roll a one. So I end up tumbling down the whole hill, doing damage to myself on the way down. I come to prone in the knoll camp. And they just, like, they stab me. So I spend the whole battle unconscious. The the tank, right, just rolled down a hill. 
screaming the whole way and spent the whole battle unconscious at the bottom of the hill. It was uh, hilarious and terrible and amazing and also kind of boring to sit through a whole battle being unconscious, but hey, my party handled it okay without me, so that was good. I don't... I'm having a hard time coming up with one. I There's one that it must have been a failure because otherwise I don't know why I wouldn't have, but with my first character, a dual-wielding fighter, dex fighter, uh, Lucian... Um, uh, who incidentally, um, as a minor spoiler, I'm not, uh, it's kind of spoilery, but I'm not going to go into enough details. If at some point in Fates of Rin you hear Lucian get mentioned, it's that Lucian. Um, uh, fighting, and I just remember ending up, I think I I think I got critted and it knocked one of the weapons out of my hand and then I fumbled the other weapon away. So I'm a fucking dual wield fighter with no blades left in my hand. And I just remember Lucian basically like, fuck it, grab dagger, jump across. Just like, <laughs> like, no, no, we solve this. But it was just, it was a deeply amusing fail. Cause I'm like, no, I'm this incredibly dexterous, very proficient, like battle master fighter. I have none of my main weapons left. Fuck it, pull out the butter knife, stab him to death. Uh, Vex from Discord, what is our least favorite, or what is our least favorite creature to fight? Um, this is so lame, but, like, kobolds bore the hell out of me. I am so sick of kobolds being the thing that every level one character fights. Please stop throwing kobolds at me. They are boring. They are so uninteresting. I'd rather take something that's really challenging and has a lot of ability to use a lot of strategy and kick my ass um, over a little tiny lizard person. Squirm resists these remarks. <laughs> um, I don't know. I'm a little bit torn. Andy likes to torture me with Rakshasas um, because in that first campaign, Lucian got tortured by a Rakshasa. But honestly, I've also gotten to the point where I almost have the Rakshasa stat block memorized, and they actually are really, really, really interesting creatures, so that helps with that. Honestly, I would say that my least favorite creature, and it's not a specific creature to fight, but my least favorite types of encounters are creatures that are kind of focused on taking away your ability to do things. So, like, paralysis, mm. um perfect stealth uh any of these types of things where i'm like no fuck it if i'm going to fight if i'm going to devote an hour and a half to this 18 seconds because right. D, D combat time y'all i want to actually fight yeah. something and i want to get to do it one of uh Vreth, um who was a character i mentioned a couple times they were a rogue fighter multi-class so they were like were a sniper um fought this one monk who just kept stunning striking them. And I literally spent four rounds in combat taking basically no fucking damage from the thing, from the guy, but also not being able to do anything. And I'm like, this, this is great. This is, I'm, yeah. I'm here. Whatever. I'm here. Um, and those can be really frustrating when it's taking away your um, control as a player and it, it, when it's just like on a failed save, you're out of combat now for however long. Like, my fumble that I was just describing, um, it can be extremely frustrating to just be like, I've 
screwed up one dice. I didn't even screw up. Like, you don't screw up dice rolls. The dice screw you up. There was one bad dice roll, yeah. and now I'm just screwed. Yeah. Um, it can be really very frustrating. And, and, that's, and that's where, like, this is not to say that I don't like monsters that have interesting strategic things around limiting players. I think that's really interesting. It's just there are sort of a handful of, of monsters or abilities that aren't strategically interesting. It's just like your crowd controlled out of existence or, yeah. oh, you're just not doing this thing that is your entire fucking thing. And it's like, uh, like, you know, and that's, and that's where I would draw the line between that and saying something like, um, um, like a beholder with its anti-magic ray. Mm-hmm. That's, that's interesting. Also, hey, Prinzing 70, 34, 74. I don't know why I just turned a three into a seven. Water boss and Zelda, Zelda Ocarina of Time was awful. Why have you brought it? <laughs> um, see, and like in, in D&D 5e, actually, I kind of like fighting weird creatures because there's always the possibility that you end up with the like yeah. curse. I want to be a werebear. Werebear. They're nice. In one, in three of my campaigns uh, successively, Andy ended up with uh, some form of weird curse. Because and, Andy's actually a werewolf, you guys. And then when he gave me stick about it, I'm like, two of these you volunteered for. Two of them you chose not to fight the curse. This is not on me. Um, one of them you outright picked to be made into a weird creature. And he's like, how are you doing this again? I'm like, the last one wasn't me at all. It was an offer. The one before that, you were like, nah, I'm not going to fight it. I want to be a weird rat. Okay, strange choice, but off you go. Um, any character concepts you would love to try but haven't had the chance? So many, Monty. My backlog of characters is just many. I have one. I have one. One backlog. And it's a surprise for if I ever get to play her on stream, which I'm hoping I do because I think it's a fun character concept. Or the, maybe not for, like, for a medium-length campaign. Um, not really short, but not, like, really long. Um... But it's a surprise, so I'm not going to say what it is. Um, I'd love to play, this is on the theory crafting and game crafting side of it, I'd love to play a barbarian, um, so a, a druid barbarian multi-class, because honestly I want to play it as like a gnome or a halfling or something and just have this little tiny dude who suddenly looks really mad and have like be like stomping towards them and have them just be like, Haha, what the hell are you going to? I'm a bear now, motherfuckers. Um... Just because that that would be it to me on an ongoing basis. I really want to play a wizard. Um, it's amazing to me that I have not actually played a wizard in any longer form campaign. I played one for like a couple of sessions. Um, me with access to, oh shit, I can just find scraps of paper with new spells on them is a thing that I deeply look forward to. Also, uh, preparation casters, the the sheer level of control that I have as McKeck, um compared to the struggles that I have with charity of like, great, I leveled, I added a spell, and I can change one. I am now <laughs> stuck with it for like five sessions at a minimum now. Better pick right. Versus McKeck being like, I want to grow flowers today. So I will! Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, question from Monty, other than D&D, what are your favorite tabletop games? 
Uh, we play a lot of board games, or we did back through grad before grad school, and then COVID nineteen ate my social life. Um, Beard Island. Although yes. we're getting we're getting into board games online again with people in the Discord, so that's a lot of fun. Um, but Spirit Island definitely. Um, we played a ton of the Grizzled. Um, we, th- we tend to like co-op games. Yeah. As, again, as because for people who play games with me in Discord, I am really fucking competitive. And shouty. Like, scary competitive. And, like, it's, like, all in good fun. Like, I love my friends. I don't think I'd make ad hominem attacks. I did call someone Hitler, but we were playing Secret Hitler, and she was Hitler. So, um, so it doesn't count. <laughs> um, but co-op games make it so that I'm getting really competitive with the game, not with my friends, which can be a little exhausting for my friends sometimes. Um, so yeah, the Grizzled Spirit Island. Um, I love Hanabi. Dixit. I love Hanabi. Mysterium. I don't love Mysterium as much. I like Mysterium. It's not like on my top like five. Mm. Well, uh, we've, you've just said four. So if you're going for a top five list, you've got one more. And Rachel, I never trust you because you're sketchy as fuck. And also, you're usually lying to me. So just generally. Just generally lying to me. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, Betrayal at House on the Hill. Even though it's not a well balanced oh, yeah. game, but we haven't shit, played that, that in a long so time. But I love it. It's a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, that game's a ton of fun. Um, Actually, if, I really do enjoy Secret Hitler a lot. Um, I know I just said I shout at people and call them Hitler. You That's do. part of the game, right? Um, so I enjoy Secret Hitler a lot. <laughs> well, Rachel, you'll have to deal with your offense. Um, in terms of other tabletop RPGs, I think. I mean, you would probably point to Pathfinder, another one that you like. I'm super excited, and I think we're going to be trying to stream it soon. Um, either a one-shot or a camp. I need to circulate out materials to people and get thoughts on it. Um, a tabletop RPG called Blades in the Dark, um, which is about uh, being this basically small criminal gang in this very um, noir in industrial magitech city and basically a lot of it is around setting yourself up with a base and affiliations and all of that getting your group sort of set up and then they have a really interesting system in it for planning a heist and then you drop into a heist yes rachel this is the one uh one of the direct comps that they mentioned for this game is dishonored another one is bloodborne these are a couple of my favorite games um i made mention of this earlier when you were commenting on just retcon lean into the retcon um one of the things that i really like in that game system is in order to encourage people to just go in get into the action have fun and assume that you're kind of good at this like you're you're good at planning uh, heists and all of that they have a system whereby it's called the, uh the flashbacks so if you run into something in the campaign you just do a flashback. It's not, oh, shit, I didn't prepare for there to be a guard here or blah, blah, blah. Um, it's like, oh, I can have a flashback where I bribed that guard and it costs you X amount of resources based on how hard it would be to do. Um, and I think that that would be super fun to play with the group of people that we have who are all at improv. A lot of stuff. Uh, Monty had some, a question on what are some plans Helpful Goat has for the future. Um... This is one of them. Uh, more content like this, getting to know us, getting to talk about us, going to have some topics. I'm going to have an announcement for what this session will be next week, the end of this. Um, and we're also going to be planning a short video, sort of like our St. Valentine's Day content upgrade. and Content massacre. Yeah, upgrade, content and upgrade massacre. There we go. Um, 
that's going to talk about some about the directions that we're going to be taking. It's all good stuff. Um, it's not stuff that's going to be impacting you in any bad way. Frankly, it's going to be impacting you in good ways. Um, we're really going to be super focused going forward. Uh, what are some things about the D&D 5e system or the way people play it that you dislike? I will have another one of these where I just rant about some shit. We already did. Our... It's like a two-hour rant of Galway talking about the uh, well, cultural problems. I, I would also like to not have it just be a rant about things I don't like. I'd also like to express some of my philosophy. DM a game, what it means to play a game, uh, etc. But we did I could hit... tack my rant onto the end about the rule ambiguity and how some of this shit feels like it wasn't playtested. So, 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 so if we're going to do this with ambiguity, we're going to lead with the ambiguity on for the love of God, Wizards of the Coast, pick a word other than level. You've got your character level, your spell level, blah, blah, blah. I, I just, I still remember someone being told me like, yeah, I'm fifth level, so I have fifth level spells now, right? I'm like, no, you're fifth level, so you have third level spells. This makes all the sense in the world, right? <laughs> Right? It's worse if you're a half-caster. Congratulations, you're fifth level. You have second level spells. You couldn't have picked another. Um, but we will also talk a lot about uh, racial alignments. That that will display. <laughs> I fix it. Um, and uh, <laughs> wee! They're going back and forth. Um, racial alignments. The differences between what races and what a culture is really bothers the hell out of me um and some of that so with that i think we're done with sort of the community questions um, that we'd gotten to so we had a few questions that people had dropped in to the twitch before we get done uh what are your favorite pokemon oh sweet jesus this is a long long list it's not a long list for me i'm not as i'm, I'm into pokemon like don't get me wrong i'm just not as hardcore into it as some people um i can't actually like who do i love i like any of the really cute ones i like um lantern i'm sounding like i'm not like i don't play pokemon it's not like somebody who doesn't play pokemon would you actually play a significant amount of pokemon i like the little candle it's so cute litwick yeah, Litwick. Um, okay, we're going to turn that gain down again. And I like, because I'm making the high-pitched noises. You're making the high-pitched noises, and I stopped leaning back. So. Um, I like I like cute Pokemon. Um, I like Wulu. 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 Wulu from the new one. Maripta um, Sheep. It's adorable. Um, I like I like cute things. I sound like I don't play Pokemon anyway. Um, my first starter was a Charmander, and Charmander through Charizard line is absolutely a huge favorite of mine. Uh, if I had to pick my single favorite Pokemon, it is unsurprisingly given that my screen name is Penguin Griffin, uh, Piplup, um, and the Piplups to Empoleon line. Um, one of my favorite Pokemon I discovered are actually water starters, by the fact that I almost always take fire starters. Um, and I'm trying to think, um, weirder slash like more i don't know offbeat slash not as um like legendary or starter pokemon uh i love malamar um and inky uh i love uh dragalga because i love the art and the design of that pokemon and i'm trying to think i thought of others i really like dratini and mimikyu 
Um, Mimikyu. I like them a lot. There's I have stuff. I can't reach my. Yeah, stuff there's, a stuff, there's a stuff. There's a stuff Mimikyu up on top of that. And a stuff Tratini. And a stuff Tratini. Oh, also, um, Murkrow. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Murkrow. Uh, it was since Silver got released. Um, there's a there's a plushie of Murkrow as well. Um, but yeah, so those are those are maybe some less starter slash legendary. Uh, ba, 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 ba. uh, Monty has left, so maybe we'll do this, but you should go grab the, the plushie. Monty was asking about my stuffed animals. I have very few stuffed animals down that you can actually reach, but I'll grab the octopus, so though Monty won't be able to see it anymore because they left. But they'll be able to see it if they see the VOD, and you'll also be able to, um, you'll be able to show them, play some games with them. I... Wow, that was really creepy because I'm looking at the, the Twitch mod view, which is on a delay, and I'm like, how is Lena behind me? She's next to me. It's an octopus that Galway got me. Jacques Cousteau octopus. And then also my adorable elephant. And I have a lot more stuffed animals. I'm not actually an adult. I'm a child who has skinned an adult and wears their skin. Um... So that answers Monty quest, Monty's question. Yes, it is an octopus. <gasps> that is, in fact, an octopus. It is very cute. There's also a uh, stuffed penguin. Though they said hurtful things. <laughs> they they um, just said octopuses were better than penguins. That's not hurtful. It's very hurtful, and I'm trying to find me. Uh, have, I think this was Rafondo Mondo. It asked, have, we ever, have I ever tried to make a monster race into a player character? I really, 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 really wanted to play a Dryder one time, and he wouldn't let me. So that's my story about that. He was like, no, that's not a player race. I was like, you don't have to give me its stats. I can just look like one. He was like, no, Lena. And that was it. That was the whole conversation. He sounded exactly like that. Why am I a monster <laughs> in all of your stories? Um, I, I'm... I am open to turning monster races into player characters. I think that the the hesitation that I typically have is one, as in actually, and both apply to uh, writers. One is why the player wants to play that in the first place, which is often tied to the creature abilities. And the creature abilities are often those of very high CR creatures for a reason. Um, and so that's, that's not even a reason not to do it. I just want to make sure that people know that they're not getting those abilities, though it is also a pretty significant challenge to, to get those to work then, like with a drider, what do you leave? What do you take away? Um, the other is, it depends not on the, uh, racial alignments and outlooks which i've already specified i feel like are bullshit but if there are very specific um mechanics or story prompts around how these things exist um like driders in 5e are the result of a curse from lolf upon the spider goddess upon drow they are literally entirely cursed beings. So that one, it wasn't even that I wouldn't... I'm going to regret saying <laughs> It's not even that I will not let you play a drider. It was going to be... 
it was going to be a lot of effort for getting that right. And <laughs> sorry, I'm just liking Rachel being like, Galway, I need your email in Twitch chat. I'm like, I'm not posting it in Twitch chat. <laughs> um So you're saying I can play a drider? At some point, maybe. Fuck yeah. You at guys heard it here. He said I can. At some point, maybe. I'll just ask Andy, and you'll be like, fuck yeah, Lena. Andy loves it when I do crazy shit. I don't know if Andy will be like, fuck yeah, Lena. Andy might be like, fuck no, Lena. Because sometimes when I ask to do crazy shit, he's like, haha, no. Haha, <laughs> no. Nice try. Um, but yeah. I think that that's uh, sort of around the two-hour mark, which is what we were aiming for. Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. We had a lot of fun. We're looking to do more stuff like this. Um, next week, we will be doing a goat's eye view on um, running D&D for kids uh, with Rachel of Gross It's Rachel. Of Gross It's Rachel? <laughs> whose Twitch screen name is Gross It's Rachel. Um, she has... Like, Gross It's Rachel is, like, her brand. It's, like, of Gross It's Rachel. Yeah. Gross It's. Yeah. Or scans. It scans. It scans. Um, she has... It, it, it her. Um, she has a ton of experience, and I've been seeing a lot of stuff right now with people uh, with kids um who are interested in maybe running D and getting to include their kids in the hobby um she has a lot of great tips she's done this a lot she has i think some really good insights of how to tell the story mechanically what you can do and just recommendations of all of that sort of nitty-gritty so look forward to that we're going to be planning for that assuming um nothing else changes next week tuesday starting at 9 p.m eastern um i'll be on there with her talking to her that we look forward to that uh, you can submit questions in our Discord. You can also uh, submit them to us on our Twitter. We're probably going to send out a tweet about that shortly, maybe tomorrow morning. Um, again, if you've enjoyed this, go ahead and follow us here on Twitch. Uh, you can use the command exclamation point Discord to join our Discord. It'll also be faster if you use that. We hope you enjoyed it. Um, we want to be doing more of this, getting to talk to you guys about gaming, tabletop RPGs, life generally. Um, so anything else? Mm, no. All right. Well, thank you so much for watching from Lena and I, and from everyone in the helpful goat community. We hope you have a wonderful evening. Hope you stay safe and be well. Love y'all. Bye. She's getting aggressive at the camera. Bye. This has been helpful goat presents behind the goats. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to hear more, check out our main podcast feed, Goats and Dragons, a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. You can also learn more about our shared gaming projects at our website, HelpfulGoat.com. Follow us on Twitch, Twitter, and Facebook at HelpfulGoat, and find us on YouTube by searching for Helpful Goat Gaming. And if you like what you hear, please do consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. We are a small independent game design firm and would really appreciate the support. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time.